You know, the, the Word of God is unlike any other book, isn't it? My father, who trusted the Lord some... I didn't do the math. 10 to 15 years before I was born, still studying his Bible and can't get enough of it. And, and I think, what other book could you study for upwards of 50 years and still take pleasure in plumbing the depths, attempting to plumb the depths of all that's there. So much so that the, the Word of God has so many words just to describe the Word of God, right? Uh, it's just so many facets to it. And praise God He's given us a complete revelation of Himself. And He's placed us in this time and this place where we can study it freely. We've got a great treasure in our hands. May God help us to continue to take it in and to seek to draw closer to Him. Shall we just pray once again? Father, we thank You. We thank You for this night where we can consider the blessings of knowing You, of being able to receive revelation from You through Your Word, to, to come to know Your testimonies, Your judgments, Your ways, and through it to come to know You. This is our desire, Lord, is You have invited us to come to You, that to know You, that it would not just be about uh, aligning our outward lives in such a way to impress others or to, to, to line up with simply the, the letter of the law, but that in our hearts we would come to, to experience the spirit of Your law before our very eyes. And um, we just commit to you the remainder of this time yet again, Lord, that, that you would speak to our hearts and draw us close and show us how you would have it to impact our lives, not just this evening while we're here, but throughout the whole entire week. We just ask this now again in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, we'd like to continue in Genesis 46 and 47 this evening. There's not as much to the narrative this evening, but I'd like to draw out a few applications uh, in addition to establishing the history so we can continue our tour through the book of Genesis as uh, it is a fascinating study. This morning we read in 46 how Israel, or Jacob, responded to the invitation of Joseph to come to Egypt to be with him. And so he began this journey and uh, gathered up all that he had and made his way to Egypt. And it says that he stopped at Beersheba, that place of the oath, uh, that he and his father had been there before, and he made sacrifices to God. And it was then that God spoke to him. It was then that God revealed himself to him and reassured him of the Lord's calling upon his life, his purposes for his life, and of his uh, uh, protection and provision and presence for the journey that he was about to take. And so he went and he came and made his way to Egypt. And for, we'll pick it up again to conclude that section in verse 29, it says, uh, of chapter 46. So Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel, and he presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. And Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen your face, because you are still alive. Then Joseph said to his brothers, and to his father's household. I will go up and tell Pharaoh and say to him, My brothers and those of my father's house who were in the land of Canaan have come to me, and the men are shepherds. 
For their occupation has been to feed livestock, and they have brought their flocks, their herds, and all that they have. And so it shall be when Pharaoh calls you and says, What is your occupation? That you shall say, Your servant's occupation has been with livestock from our youth, even till now, both we and also our fathers, that you may dwell in the land of Goshen. For every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians." Chapter 47, Then Joseph went and told Pharaoh and said, My father and my brothers, their flocks and their herds and all that they have possessed have come from the land of Canaan. Indeed, they are in the land of Goshen. And he took five men from among his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to his brothers, What is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. And they said to Pharaoh, We have come to dwell in the land because your servants have no pasture for their flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now therefore, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh spoke to Joseph, saying, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Have your father and brothers dwell in the best of the land. Let them dwell in the land of Goshen. And if you know any competent men among them, then make them chief herdsmen over my livestock. Then Joseph brought in his father, Jacob, and set him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Jacob, How old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The the days of the years of my pilgrimage are one hundred and thirty years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their pilgrimage. So Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. And Joseph situated his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. Then Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all his father's household with bread, according to the number in their families. Now there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very severe, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the grain which they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. So when the money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us bread, for for why should we die in your presence? For the money has failed. Then Joseph said, Give your livestock, and I will give you bread for your livestock if the money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for their horses, the flocks, the cattle of the herds, and for the donkeys. Thus he fed them with bread in exchange for all their livestock that year. When that year had ended, they came to him the next year and said to him, We will not hide from my Lord that our money is gone. My Lord also has our herds of livestock. There is nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our lands. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for bread, and we and our land will be servants of Pharaoh. Give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land may not be desolate. Then Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. For every man of the Egyptians sold his field because the famine was severe upon them. So the land became Pharaoh's. And as for the people, he moved them into the cities, from one end of the borders of Egypt to the other end. Only the land of the priests he did not buy, for the priests had rations allotted to them by Pharaoh, and they ate their rations which Pharaoh gave them. Therefore they did not sell their lands. Then Joseph said to the people, Indeed, I have brought you and your, I have bought you and your land this day for Pharaoh. Look, 
Here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. And it shall come to pass in the harvest that you shall give one-fifth to Pharaoh. Four-fifths shall be your own as seed for the field and for your food, for those of your households, and as food for your little ones. And so they said, You've saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. And Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt to this day that Pharaoh should have one-fifth, except for the land of the priests only, which did not become Pharaoh's. So Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions there and grew and multiplied exceedingly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the length of Jacob's life was 147 years. When the time drew near that Israel must die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, Now if I have found favor in your sight, please put your hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. Please do not bury me in Egypt, but let me lie with my fathers. You shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. And he said, I will do as you have said. Then he said, Swear to me. And he swore to him. So Israel bowed himself on the head of the bed. May God bless the reading of his word once again. Interesting that our question this evening had so much to do with the various parts of God's word and the desire to draw near to him through it, to understand his ways and to align our lives according to it. For you know, as I was thinking of this passage this morning, as we, we talked about how Jacob took with him all that he had. I don't know about you, but sometimes these little words really jump out to me in my reading. You know, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. All. They're so all-inclusive. They're so extreme. Nothing. All. But that's what the Lord asks of us, right? The greatest command. The Lord Jesus re-echoed that, right? We read it first in, 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 in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I even referred to it this morning in, in our exhortation to uh, those of us as heads of the home to, to remember the calling that God has given to us. But see, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, you remember, and Jesus repeated this when the lawyer asked him, what is the greatest command in the Bible? And he, he, he repeats Deuteronomy chapter 6, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. I had intended to refer to that to begin with, but our brother referred to it again in his answer to the question. It's such an important command. What does it mean for us to put our all on the altar as we make our lives a living sacrifice? You know, I believe this is what we need to come back to to evaluate that right he says love the lord your god well what does it mean to love the lord our god in the first place right that idea of agape love is a is a love of devotion a love of commitment and um it's not just a feeling it's not just kind of being in good terms with somebody like your your good friend but there's a devotion there and the devotion The commitment that God calls us to is to love Him with all of our heart. And I tried to break down similarly to what our brother Steve did. What is the difference between 
the heart and the soul and the strength. Just like we're trying to dissect the difference between testimonies and laws and statutes and, and, and commands, and principles in the scriptures. And, and they, they overlap, don't they? They, 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 they kind of create this all-encompassing picture, and I think that's what he's trying to say. Now notice Jesus in the New Testament added with all your mind. And I understand that the, the Hebrew language doesn't have a word for separating your mind. See, the heart was the center of who you are, the seat of your emotions. And so if, to love the Lord with all of your heart is really that he should have your devotion. That our affections would be totally on him. That's hard, isn't it? To love the Lord, to be devoted with him with all of my affections with all of my heart can't say that I do that it's what he calls us to and if we want to come back to this place of, of, of living the life that he has called us to then we've got to come back to that and evaluate don't we do I really devote to him does he have the preeminent place in my heart and not only our affections, not only our devotion, but, okay, he says, with all of your soul. And um, sometimes I think of this in terms of my soul is the part of me, we say, that, that is in charge of my decision-making faculties. And so when I go to make my decisions, is, is it really based on a desire to choose what he wants for me? with all of my soul, with all of my decision-making and intellectual faculties directing my life, is it really out of devotion to Him? Loving Him with all of my soul? But also, see, the soul is the essence of our very life and who we are. Our soul is the eternal part of us. And so He says, with the core of who you are, not just your affections, but with your very life, do we love the Lord with that life? Are we willing to lay it down? As Jesus said, not my will, but... Yours be done. Here I am. I'm all yours. My devotion is yours. And then with all of our strength, Solomon exhorts us in Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Not just half-heartedly, but with all that I have, with all that I can put into it for him and him first. That's hard, isn't it? I was uh, talking this morning a little bit about how we need to look out for one another. And this is an area that I think uh, where some of that overlap happens. You know, I remember being in chapel at, at Miami Christian College and, and something that the speaker said really provoked me. And I thought of something else in the scriptures that, that touched on that topic and I began to search for it and, and found it and found a few cross-references and, and I felt really blessed by the end of that chapel service. But one of the instructors came up to me afterwards and, and he rebuked me. And he said, Dave, what were you doing? Here you were up in the third row of the chapel. The speaker is speaking to the people. And you were rushing this way and that way, doing something in your seat. And were a distraction to the people around you. I'm like, wow, that's not what I meant but I didn't realize the impact I was having on those around me. And I began to think about us in the assembly, you know, and, 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 and I, I was so encouraged by, by, by the, the, the sing-along we had a couple weeks ago, and I've heard that others have been doing the same thing in other places, and, 
and the desire amongst us to, to learn to sing the parts of the vo- with the voices God gave us to sing alto and tenor and soprano and bass and, 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 and to harmonize so that when we come together we can make a joyful noise and a more beautiful sound of the Lord because what we want to do is, is present to Him in these offerings all that we have to please Him, right? And I think that's beautiful. I'd like to see us do more of it. And um, <clears throat> hopefully we'll get back to that again. Uh, but I thought, you know, uh, not just in our private lives, in our homes, but even here, I would encourage us to be sensitive about the influence that we may, have, may be having on others. You know, I know that, that there's a, a, a shift today to bringing our little palm pilots, or not palm pilots, the, uh, the iPods and iPads, and, and, and we have our Bibles on our phones. But uh, not everyone can tell whether we're really reading the Bible or checking our email, or whether we're playing a game or sending a text. And I myself have wondered, as I've taken my little ones across the back of the room to go over there, and, and I can see over some shoulders and wonder, I hope they're listening. But what about the people behind who have to listen? You know, And I'm visually distracted. I'm a visual learner, and, and when I see someone's screen up there flipping through different things, I, I have trouble looking at my own Bible. I understand the struggle, right? But... Um, um, it's just little things that we need to be careful for as we present ourselves, even as a called out group. Uh, the, 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 we're called out ones. And, and I think what we're going to, we're, we're, we're what I wanted to talk about tonight was to get into this chapter 47 is how Joseph ministered to his family during this place. But what we see is that there was separation. And this is where my heart was really drawn to as we go to our message this evening. But, but there's overlap with this whole idea of loving God with all that we are. When we come to Him, if we're really devoted to Him to, to, to think beyond just my own little realm into how my life impacts those around me as well because we're examples, we're testimonies. People are watching. The world is watching. Egypt was watching Joseph's family. And so God shows us how they lived there amongst those people. And... <clears throat> And uh, I think it's our desire, I'm convinced it is, to be all that we can be for our Lord and Savior. And so all of our lives have to come under this umbrella of loving God and wanting what's best for Him. And, and, and you know, when, uh, 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 <clears throat> I'm guilty too. You know, I know when the meeting starts and there's good conversation going on in back and the, and the person up front's calling, he's invited, as I find myself doing sometimes, if you can hear my voice, come on in and come on, join us singing. And, and the young people, I'm like, where are they? Well, they're right out there alongside all of us adults, giving them an example of, of not coming in. <laughs> you know, and, and I think, <clears throat> let us help each other as we press on as an assembly, to present our best to the Lord, to, 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 to seek to not have stumbling blocks, to seek to encourage one another in, in offering our all in devotion, heart, soul, mind, strength to the Lord. And uh, <clears throat> anyway, and as you see me needing a little correction and, and encouragement, I hope that you're not afraid to exhort me. Um, I need it. And the Lord knew that. He gave me a wife who's willing to do that. <clears throat> and I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And maybe one of the reasons... He uh, kept us apart for so long is because I needed a, a more teachable spirit to receive that. To be able to receive the correction from those who love me. To help me become more like Christ. And uh, so thank you, dear. I love you. Um, I appreciate my wife. She's been a real blessing to me. But we need to do that for one another, don't we? 
Um, okay, so we're here in chapter 47. I'm sorry. I don't know how I got there. Uh, so Joseph, I love this. Joseph says to his brothers, listen, Pharaoh's going to come ask you, what's your occupation? And perhaps they could already tell, you know, being a shepherd was not a popular thing in Egypt. They were, they were agriculturists. They learned to, to harness the Nile and, and, and irrigate to make crops grow in what would otherwise be a, a, a dry and barren land. They didn't have as much respect for those who took care of those dirty animals. But you know, God had given much cattle to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and he prospered them in this way, and, and their lives were given to the care and shepherding of the flocks. And what a great thing, because they were going to need those shepherding skills as they worked with one another and as they followed God's plan and his word, even as David, even as Moses was equipped to shepherd other people by working with, sh- with animals, right? And it wasn't something to be ashamed of in and of itself. But when we become conscious of the evaluations of the world and the culture around us, sometimes it's hard to confess who we are, isn't it? I belong to the Lord. I belong to His church. I'm a stranger in this world. I'm just passing through. I'm not a part of this world's system. But it's tempting sometimes to compromise, declaring plainly who we are. But I would encourage us in this day and age, to be like Joseph said. Be honest, be upfront, be out in the open with it. He says, we are shepherds. It's been our occupation from our youth. And so they desired to continue in it. And I pray that God would increase our desire to continue in his things. And he wanted them to be honest about it, right? And so when he brings his brothers in and they stand before Pharaoh, he couldn't answer for them. They had to answer for themselves. And so he prepared them. So they'd be ready to give an answer, standing before the very king of the land, knowing that, as it says, every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. Wow. And they did it. Praise God. Here here comes Joseph. He brings in his brothers, and he presents them to Pharaoh. And he presents his father. He says, here's my family. And they've come to me. And you know, it's a great picture for you and for me of the day when the Lord Jesus calls us home, right? He's invited us to come on this journey to be with him. And those who have put, those of us who have put our trust in him, someday, you know, he is going to present us to his father. And he's going to be proud to be able to call us his own. This is my family. You know, that's what it says in Hebrews chapter two, borrowing from Old Testament scriptures, which I I, I read, Isaiah chapter 8, where one of these comes from, and I'm thinking, that doesn't look like a messianic passage. But see, the the writer of Hebrews, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, applies it to Christ when when he says here in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, it says, uh, starting verse 11, He who sanctifies us, wait, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all one, For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. And he hearkens back to to, to Psalm 22, where he says about declaring the name of Jehovah to my brethren. Now, Jesus didn't have any offspring, but it was a messianic psalm. Who are his brethren? It's us who he's purchased with his own blood. And then it comes down in verse 13 and he says, um, 
Again, at the latter half of the verse, Here am I and the children whom God has given to me. He's speaking of us. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to stand with us to present us before the Father and saying, Here are the children that you've given to me. They're my family, my brethren. And he's what a, what a, what a privilege Joseph saw it as is to introduce his family to Pharaoh. And someday Jesus is going to introduce us face to face with his Father. And I believe he's looking forward to that. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And I believe that's one of the joys he's looking forward to. And when, when the trumpet sounds and he comes back to get him, that's what I see in this picture where Judah goes ahead to say, here he comes. And Joseph makes his chariot ready and goes out to meet him and brings him to Pharaoh, right? That's, that's like a picture of the rapture. Jesus is coming to meet us in the air as we're on our way to go meet the Father. What a great, great thing to look forward to. And it says he was not ashamed to call them his brethren. But remember the description in Hebrews chapter 11. If they had been mindful of the world that they were coming out of, if that had been so important to them, they wouldn't have had their mind fixed on the country to come. But because they had their eyes fixed there, God is not ashamed to be called their God. And we don't want to be ashamed that His, that his coming. We want to know that our affections are, are all the love of the Lord of our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our personal life, our corporate life. Because, because here's what I see. This is what got me thinking about corporate life together as well as um, private life. Because you see, when he brought them into the promised land, it says <clears throat> that Pharaoh's command was to put them in this land of Goshen, which was the best of the land, so they could raise their cattle. And although there was no bread, it says in verse 13, in all of the land, it says in verse 12 that Joseph provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with bread and he took care of them. But how did he take care of them? He put them in the land of Goshen. They were in the land of Egypt, but yet they weren't a part of the, the run-of-the-mill culture in Egypt. This, I, I couldn't help but think of the prayer of the Lord Jesus in John chapter 17, where he says, While I was in the world, I made known your name to them, but I am now no longer in this world. I'm returning to you. But he says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that they should not be of the world. That you would keep them from the evil one. That you would keep them in this world, but yet not corrupted by the world. That they would be a separate people, one with you and one with me, so that the joy that you have in me and I in you should be in them. And the oneness that we have, that they would be one with one another and with you and me. It's, it's, a, it's a, a vertical relationship of, of, of oneness and separation to God, as yet we're stuck here on this horizontal level with one another and with the world all around us all at the same time. And he says, my prayer, don't take them out of the world. But help them not to be, well, they're not of the world. That's what he said. He said, they hated me because I am not of this world and they are not of this world any longer. That's why this beautiful word, the church, this ecclesia, the ek, call out, excuse me, ek, out, kaleo, to call, the called out ones from the world. He's saying, come out from among them. I'm making you a new people called out from them to be separate. And you know, this separation was so important for the Israelites. Why? Because God had told Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, your, your children, your descendants are going to go into a foreign land. And they're going to be servants to those people. They're going to be strangers in that land. And they're going to uh, treat them harshly. 400 years they're going to be there, but I'm going to bring them back out. And, and, and even already, we see in chapter 46, the listing of the sons and the daughters, it tells us that one of them already 
Okay, I can't find it, but it mentioned how one of the sons had a child through one of the Canaanite daughters. Here that God had taken Abraham, called him out of Ur, out of the world, to start this separate people. And now they were beginning, even while they were there in this land of Canaan, to not be quite so separate. And so God calls them out of Canaan through this famine to Egypt, but he says, you're not going to be there. You're going to be separate from the people of Egypt, although you are in Egypt. And he puts them in this place so that they can maintain their separation. That's hard, isn't it? How often I find my thinking affected by the world around me. How often we fall into the habits of the world around us because of our association with them. And yet God says what? 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, come out from among them. But he's not saying to leave the world. We can't leave the world. Right? We're in the world, but we need to not be of the world. We need to, to maintain our separation while we are here amongst them. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And he says, do not be unequally yoked together with the unbelievers. What fellowship is righteousness with lawlessness? Lawlessness. And what communion, what communion has light with darkness? There's not. What accord has Christ with Belial? What part has a believer with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? Not, they don't. You are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell with them and walk among them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This being yoked together is the idea, right? Partnering ourselves, tying ourselves in with those who don't belong to the Lord in such a way that that we're joined together with them. We're, we're, We're a part of what they're a part of. But he says, be separate. And it's hard to be separate. But this is what he calls us to. And the people of Israel, because they were there in Egypt, but not... Can I say of Egypt then? They were able to maintain their separation. Now, of course, it's a different dispensation and and, uh, they still struggled. Their walk with God, it's not all that it should have been. But I know ours isn't either. But it's an example to us. God was calling them out of the world, this family of Abraham, that he might create in them a new people who would be the keepers of his word, his law, that through them all the world should be blessed. And it was important that they maintain that identity. And that's our identity is in Christ. And we need to maintain our identity with him wherever we are so that we can uh, 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 be in this world but not of it not corrupted by the evil one into just blending in God has a purpose for us just like he had a purpose for Israel and I would say that the danger for me and the danger for many of us is the commands the statutes we want to just run off and just try harder to make sure we're fulfilling them but you remember what Jesus said if you love me you'll keep my commands and so, I think our, our first aim should be, do I love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, with all my mind? And if not, how, what is He asking me to, to let go of, of this world, to maintain my separation to Him?
so that rather than like Martha running around just trying to busy myself more and, and get distracted in my serving, be more like Mary, sitting at the Lord's feet, drawing close to Him. And when He says, okay, let's go serve, I can serve from a full heart, full of love and devotion from all my heart, soul, mind, and strength to do what He's called me to do. And it's not... It, it's an, it's an uphill struggle sometimes, right? But it's, he's left us here. Jesus said, I did not ask that you... Wouldn't it be a lot easier if you just called us all home? <laughs> be great for us. But Jesus said, well, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. And this world is a dark place. And he believes that we are salty enough and light enough with his grace and his spirit alive in us to be what this world needs, to continue to lift up the Savior, that others may be drawn to Him. And by God's grace, may He do that in us. May He be pleased to make our individual lives, our individual families, our corporate family here together, the brightest light possible in these dark days that others may come to know Him. Father, we commit ourselves to You. We like Jacob realized that our final resting place is not going to be here and we as he by faith looked forward to what would happen to his bones after he was dead take them back to the promised land we are here and we look forward to that promised abode with you forever in glory somewhere in the future but as long as you give us life and breath and strength Help us, Lord, to be solely devoted to you, that we would love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength, that you would so fill us to overflowing that we would just not even have the desire to be of this world, but we would walk worthy of the calling with which we have been called, out of this world, unto yourself, and that as we maintain that separation by your grace, that you would just draw many more to yourself. Lord, I, I shudder to think of what that would mean as we lay down our lives for yourself. Sometimes as we read of persecution in the days gone by, it was through the laying down of those lives that the most people came to know you. But there was great revival amongst your people. There was great... Uh, uh, great salvation experienced by so many. Lord, help us to be like those written about in Revelation that, that did not even love their lives more than death. And that was how they overcame the evil one, by not loving their lives even to death. May we love you even more than that. May we love one another more than ourselves, that we might truly be like Christ. May it be so for his honor and glory, our dear Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.